morning, everyone. I am now assembled and have everything in place, I think. It was quite funny at Eden this morning. I, uh, I was on track. I had everything in place, good to go. But then um, they do, we did the PowerPoint a little bit differently there. And because the next screen I could see was going to be our Remembrance Day service stuff, I just went into that afterwards. And then poor Keith, he had to do things on the fly because we hadn't done our opening choruses yet. So he managed to just change everything around. Bless that man. What a, what a huge uh, help he is. Anyways, here we are. It's a lovely day, and it's good to be gathered together in the house of the Lord. Let's open our service in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can be here together. Father, thank you so much for your kindness and your love and your goodness to us. In this time and in this place, would you draw close to us, Father? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? And may we be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. morning. Call to worship this morning is a responsive reading of selections from Psalm 68. You'll read the part in yellow. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in, is God in his holy dwelling. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord. You, God, are awesome in The God of Israel gives power and strength to people. Praise be to God. First hymn this morning is Eternal Father, Strong to Save, number 808.
as today is our Remembrance Day Sunday, or it's the Sunday before Remembrance Day, we will now have a time of our own remembrance here. And so we'll have a reading of In Flanders Fields, and then we'll have a time of listening to taps and reverie as well, along with a brief moment of silence in between. Oh, I forgot to connect the sound. Dang, I was so close to being ready today. Hard to get good help these days, huh? Hopefully that's a good sign that we have sound. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow beneath the crosses row on row that mark our place. And in the sky, the lark still braving Bravely singing flies, fierce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we hope float throw the torch to yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. Though poppies grow in Flanders fields.
so we remember those who have served, who have given their lives for peace in this world. And for those who continue to serve, may they be blessed. Amen. from um, Colleen over at Eden, and there are free exercise classes that are happening in Straffordville. Um, they happen every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m., um, and they've been going since October 3rd. They'll go till December 19th at the Bayham United Church. Um, it says, all classes are specifically designed for adults over 55. Phew, I guess I can't go. What a shame. Um, <laughs> Anyways, for more information, this will be hung up at the back. If you want to take part, uh, that will be there. Um, also, I'd like to take a moment to brag a little bit. Uh, there is going to be a production of White Christmas at the Simcoe Little Theater. And this is going from November 23rd to December 10th. And uh, tickets are starting at $24. And the reason that I'm promoting this is because um, they have asked for to have some tap dancers in the production of that. And they asked uh, my wife's adult tap class to be in this production of White Christmas. And so there is going to be um, an opportunity for anyone who wants to see the lovely and talented Elizabeth Walters um, and friends on stage. She won't be there for everyone, so if you want to know which one she's going to be there specifically at, um, you can ask her. Um, please keep your, um, your, your fan stuff, like autographs and photos and signatures to a minimum. She gets embarrassed about that sort of stuff. So you're welcome, my love. <laughs> I will pay for that later. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Thank you.
This is the picture that I kept talking about and forgetting to show you. So this is Will and Hillary's announcement picture that was taken at the Norfolk County Fair. A uh, picture of their ultrasound in their hands and Lucas with uh, pink and blue um, cotton candy and looking very grumpy, but he's actually pretty happy about it. So as much as he can be for a little one. There is a business meeting after church today, a brief one uh, to vote whether or not you're going to let your pastor be a member. Um, yeah, so with the CBOQ board, uh, part of their due diligence is that they make sure that all members of the CBOQ board are a member in good standing at their church. Um, I didn't move my membership from First Baptist Tilsonburg because um, I couldn't vote here anyways. I'm an ex-officio member, so. But when they needed that, I, I spoke to the lady at CBOQ and said, well, we will get on this then. So that is the business meeting for today. Please also remember that you are warmly uh, welcome and invited to join us for Bible study Wednesday mornings at 10.30 as we continue to work through Sacred Pathways. A deacon's meeting will be happening this week on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. And on Thursday, CBOQ Now is happening. And so CBOQ Now is designed for those who are in church leadership or would like to be in church leadership. And they're going to be having a panel discussion group talking about new perspectives for the small church. That's Thursday at 10 in the morning. Anyone is welcome to take part in that. It's done online. You just need to sign up in advance. And if you would like to sign up, please speak to me and we'll, I'll help you with how to do that. Are there any other announcements that need to be brought to our attention at this point? Okay, great, thank you. God calls us to do the work of giving and building his kingdom uh, this is an act of worship when we give to him. And you can give either through the offering plates at the back or online through Goshen Baptist Church 9 at gmail.com. And so let's take a moment and thank God for the tithes and the offerings that's been, that have been given. Father, we thank you that we can build your church, that you have called us to these acts of worship through giving sacrificially of our tithes and offerings. And we ask that you would take all that has been given and you would bless it. And Father, that we would be able to continue to be a light here. And Father, that we would be able to grow and reach out and people could know your love. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
As we come to our time of praying together, uh, you'll notice that uh, we have added to our list the family of Bill Ormston, and this is uh, Dwayne's co-worker that we're talking about that was moved into Skura House, and so we want to be um, lifting them up at this time as well. I had the fun of asking people at Eden this morning the same question that I'm going to ask you. So what have you been up to? What have you been doing this week? Working, right? On the road again. Yeah. Stuff. Kind of stuff. What have you been doing? And are you still healthy, Brenda? Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Doesn't always work that way, right? When... Good. And did you enjoy it? They had somebody at Eden who had just seen it as well. So, yeah. Good. Yeah, Summer. I'm sorry to hear that. Sure, Summer. Thanks for sharing. What's his name? Tim. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, we'll pray for Tim for sure. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Yeah, one of the kids. Okay. Wow. Yeah, one of the kids at the drop-in center mentioned that uh, a lady had been killed by going into the back of a bus. So. Oh. Goodness. Thank you. Any other prayer items or, or praise items that you would like to share today? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. What's your sister's name? Elizabeth. Larry.
Beautiful. Amazing, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Larry. Praise God. That's cool. Yes, please. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy. For sure. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, uh, we bring before you the week that's been and the week to come. Father, we do uh, lift up Tim and we think about uh, him and his family at this time and also the people at work, Summer and her co-workers there. Father, we pray for healing for Tim. We pray that uh, in the midst of all of this, that um, if people are looking for answers about God or have questions about God, that they would see Summer as somebody that they could speak to and that, Father, that you would speak through her, that you would bless her in that opportunity, that you would comfort all of those who are, who are dealing with the shock of it all, because that can be pretty tough. Father, we uh, also pray for this family that is lost a loved one in this accident with the bus. We pray for James and just, uh, just the, the shock of that situation. And Father, we pray for the, all of those who are grieving today that you would care for them and be with them. Father, we pray for Elizabeth as she's in hospital and has had uh, confusion. And Father, we pray for her healing Father, be with her and help straighten things out. Father, we pray for also the family of Bill Armston at this time. We pray for their comfort. Father, I am reminded that I'm remiss. I've heard good news about Joel Prowse, and we thank you for the way that you've been helping him and the fact that he's able to be out in public and uh, not having to isolate anymore and pray for his continued healing. Father, we continue to pray for Les Craig and Jack Hardiman. Father, pray that you would bring healing to them. And Father, for Maddie Roman as well, that you would continue to be with her and her family. And Father, that you would provide the care and the help that she needs. Father, that you would you know, make her life into a success story of your saving grace and your saving work. Father, thank you that we can be here together. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for your goodness to us. We pray that your spirit would speak to us today. Father, we thank you for your, uh, the word that you have given and that you will share today. May it draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture reading this morning is 1 John 3, verses 16 to 23. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? 
Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Well, here we are again, working our way through the series on connecting. Nine ways that we can connect with God. And you may be getting tired of me saying it week after week, but it doesn't make it any less true that intimacy with God is key to a vibrant faith. And hopefully we find some intimacy with God in our daily devotionals, in those quiet times that we set aside with God each day. And that hopefully you find intimacy with God when you gather together as a family of faith, as you come into this space to worship. But maybe you have questions. Maybe you are thinking, you know what, that's great for some people, but I'm kind of different. Maybe you're asking yourself, is there something more? Maybe when you say the thing of, I feel closest to God when, it's actually something different. Or maybe you're looking for something different, some new way to connect with God. How do you connect with God? That's what this series is about, and that's our opportunity for us to learn new ways for us to connect with God. And you're quite familiar with this picture of the book. That's the resource that we're using. And Gary gives nine different ways of connecting with God that are listed there. We've gone through it week after week. I'm going to kind of fly through it today. But just to recognize that there are different ways that we can connect with God, and there are different amounts of each way that others, each of us will connect with God, and at different times we may connect with God in different ways as well. So the first week we looked at the naturalist, and the naturalist finds that when they're out in nature, they really connect with God. The sensate is somebody who through their experiences and through their senses like the smell of wood in a church, for example, um, connects with God. The traditionalist is a person who really finds that coming into uh, the traditions of the church, those things, those habits that we do, that's where they connect with God. And then we looked at the ascetic as well, who really believes that it's all about keeping things as efficient as possible, getting rid of anything that we don't need. Last week we looked at the activist. And the activist, of course, they connect with God when they're confronting something that they see is wrong. We're all made in the image of God. These are not accidental that we have these different categories. And because when we enjoy creation, we reflect our creator. When we look around and see all the beauty that is in the night sky, we see what God has created for us. When we employ our senses, we reflect our creator as well. 
because he's the one who's given us these senses so that we can see and hear and touch and feel and experience. When we engage in rituals, we reflect our creator because he's the one who created many of these rituals for us. God is the one who told us, this is how you should worship me. And when we embrace minimalism, we reflect our creator because he didn't make anything extra. Everything he's created has a purpose and a function. And God is good that way. And when we enter into activism, we reflect our creator as well because God cares about injustice and wrong. And so today, I want to talk about God and service. In the book, you'll find that he talks about the role of the caregiver. Um, I think to me, it's more than that. It's more than just a caregiver. And so I will dig out my book and do the survey here. At least I'm consistent, right? Here it is. So the question we have is, are you a caregiver? I feel closest to God when I see him in the needy, the poor, the sick, and the imprisoned. I feel God's presence most strongly when I'm sitting quietly by the bed of someone who is lonely or ill, or when I am taking a meal to someone in need. You can count on me to offer a ride or to volunteer for helping activities. Number two, I grow weary of Christians who spend their time singing songs while a sick neighbor goes without a hot meal or a family in need doesn't get help in fixing their car. The word service and compassion are very appealing to me. Next point, I sense God's power when I'm counseling a friend who has lost a job, preparing meals for or fixing a car for a family in need, or spending a week at an orphanage in Mexico. The caregiver says, let me care. And finally, I would rather nurse someone to health or help someone repair their house then teach an adult Sunday school class, or go on a prayer and fasting retreat, or take a lonely walk in the woods. Are you a caregiver? Well, along with that, I have the question, what does it mean to care? Now, people might say regularly, I care about this, or I care about that. What does it actually mean to care? Well, let's take a look at what the Bible says here. Let's turn in our Bibles to James chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 14 to 16. James chapter 2, starting at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters... If someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Hmm. You see, to give care is to serve one another. And God serves. If we think about it, God spends most of his power and energy serving. 
God served by creating this entire universe that we're part of and created this world with everything in it that we need. And so he served us in that way. And then he also continues to serve us as we ask him for help. Well, at least I ask him for help regularly, right? God, I, uh, this isn't working out. I need help with that. Oh, God, this is coming up. I need help with that. And, and oh, oh, my goodness, what about them? And, and, and this and that and this. And God serves. And so when we engage in service, we reflect our creator. Now, I want you to think for a minute about this question. What is the worst job? Like the worst, the absolute worst job. What is that job that you just were like, oh, not that job. Maybe it's the stinkiest job, right? Like, oh, I couldn't handle something that smells really bad. That's not for me. I couldn't, like, like children are stinky. Like, children are smell machines, aren't they, right? Or they're throwing up, or you've got to change diapers, or, or whatever. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe when I ask about, you know, the, the, the job, the, the worst job, you might be thinking in terms of hardest. What is the hardest job? You know, like, I couldn't do certain things because it's just too hard for me. That's, that's the worst job, is the really hard things I don't have the, the ability to do. Or maybe it's the riskiest one. Maybe that's what you're thinking of, the worst job, right? If I had to, to climb big towers or something like that, that would be awful. Like, no, that's, I would never do that. What is the worst, the hardest, the riskiest job? You know, today is Remembrance Day, and as we think about people that have served or that are serving, that's a tough job. You've got to go and leave everybody that you know and love. And it's risky. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen when you go. Yet people do it. And that, to me, that's pretty amazing. Maybe another question that we could, or a different way of looking at my original question, is what is the lowest job? Right? What, what job is way beneath you? Like, like no, I'm never going to do that. Like, you know, I, I, I had gotten education so I didn't have to do jobs like that. Or, or I got this job so I don't have to do that job. Like, what is the lowest job you can think? It's interesting. Because Jesus said something kind of amazing. In Luke 22, 27, he says, I am among you as one who serves. We stop and really think about who Jesus is. Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God in the flesh. He didn't have to do anything in one sense. He's all-powerful. He's the word of creation. And yet, he came to earth to serve. My wife's family has a weird thing about feet. I will say this unabashedly and somewhat putting my life in jeopardy because my mother-in-law is also here. But anyways, like, I grew up and feet are just feet. Like, who cares, right? They're just feet. But in my wife's family, they, they, they care about feet. Um, I apologize. But anyways, I was told, my mom has the cutest feet, Beth said. She's just Everybody's going to want to see your feet after this, I know. And they're just, they're just perfect. They're like little baby feet. And they go on about it. And then 
she would talk about my flippers, uh, feet, I'm sorry, um, that are, are kind of shaped like flippers. My, I have stumpy feet. They're wide and they're, they're short and um, they're kind of like hobbit feet. They're hairy on top, not as hairy as a hobbit foot. But anyways, um, you know, they're great for swimming. That's about it. Um, and I've been told my feet are ugly. I'm just, they're feet, right? Who cares about feet? In Jesus' day, people walked pretty much everywhere. Most people did. And you would walk through things on the streets. You know, there was a lot more horses on the road, if you get my drift, and mules and so on. And the worst job, the lowest job, was to wash people's feet. It was considered a sign of hospitality. You come to visit somebody else, and then the lowest slave in the house has to wash the feet. It's not just any slave. It's not just, you know, you got a foot washing slave. It's the one who basically drew the, the shortest or longest straw. I forget, don't know how that works, but, you know, the one who has the worst job washes feet. Some feet smell. Some feet apparently are ugly. And it's a lousy job. There's something interesting about serving. I mean, we all know that serving others blesses them, right? That's why we do it often, is, is to do something good for somebody else. We want to bless them. But serving others also models Jesus, doesn't it? From what Scott read for us today, 1 John 3.17, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? When I was in Cuba, uh, one of the questions that we were supposed to ask our pastor, this is when I went to school, we were all sent off to be with different pastors, all the students. And um, so I was with Manolo, and the question we were supposed to ask is, what is the good life? What is the good life? And the pastor, Manolo, he said to me, he said, the good life is, he says, if I have a little bit extra and you need something, I give it to you. And if you have a little bit extra of something, and I need something, you give it to me. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need. That's what it was about for him. Material possessions. That's great if you've got material possessions. And if you can help somebody else out with them, that's cool. Sometimes we don't always have those possessions to give. So maybe we don't have possessions. Do we have power? I have the power to help somebody else out. Well, then you can do that. Or maybe you don't even have that, but do you have the potential? You know what? I can call somebody who can help. Possessions, power, potential. We all have one of these things. Does anyone know who this relief is of? Mother Teresa. That's right. She didn't have to do what she did. As a matter of fact, she came from a fairly well-to-do family. And she could have just sat back and enjoyed life and had it good. But over in India, they have something called a caste system. C-A-S-T-E. 
And what that means is whatever level of life your family's at, whether you are poor, whether you are wealthy, whether you're upper class, lower class, you remain there. It doesn't change. When people are broken, when people were very sick, they would literally take them and put them on the curb and leave them in the road to die. She saw this. And she began to care for people, to bring them in, treat them with dignity and respect, and do what she could for them. She went out to the helpless and to the hopeless. She cared for them because she knew something in her heart, which is that serving others served Jesus. Let's turn over to one of my favorite passages about this. It's the passage of the judgment, Matthew 25, 31 to 40. It's the story of the sheep and the goats. Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. When Jesus returns, this is what it's going to be like. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of this world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. When Mother Teresa cared for these people, she saw Jesus in them. Serving others also honors God. God calls us to care for them. We sometimes may wonder why there are people that are born in difficult circumstances or have difficult things happen to them. And part of what the really crazy thing is that in the midst of that, we have an opportunity to care and show God's love to people. And that serving others can actually bless us. That's really amazing. When we go out and we go to help somebody else, and we go to do it with the love of God in our hearts, it can actually be a blessing for us. Something we don't anticipate. 
Now let's go back and look at the story that I referred to in the first place. Flip over to John 13. Let's review the story of what happened, starting at verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, no, hang on a second here. There's something wrong with this, this picture, this image. Jesus washing my feet? No. No, 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 that's not the one who's supposed to do it. Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. You gotta love Peter, right? He's such a passionate guy. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter flips to the other side, right? Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And I think, in my mind, Jesus might have cracked a smile at that point, going, oh, Peter. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Judas was there. Jesus washed Judas' feet. Judas, who was going to betray him. Sometimes we want to do nice things for those who deserve it. But Jesus didn't do it that way. He just washed their feet. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. Very respected terms in those days. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. No servant is greater than his master, and he is the master, and we are the servants. And so we are called to wash feet. Now, before you ever get concerned and panicky, thinking that we're suddenly going to have a big foot washing ceremony here on the spot, and you know, and that uh, maybe the pastor's gone overboard and he's got some sort of weird 
foot fetish after spending a long time with his wife's family, um, <laughs> whom I love. <laughs> it's not about just foot washing. What is the thing that is beneath you that you would never do that maybe Jesus is calling you to do? Where is there a need that maybe before you thought, I can't do that, but Jesus is calling you to do it? See, the whole thing about this is that Jesus is trying to show us the importance of humility. And to be real with you guys, humility is something that I need to be reminded of on a regular basis. Now I get the privilege of standing up here and getting, having you listen to me as I bring God's word, and yeah, sometimes maybe it could go to my head. If it weren't for the fact that I also preach to myself, I need it just as much as anyone else. We need to be reminded of the importance of compassion, the compassion of Jesus Christ, to actually care about those that are around us, to care about them like Jesus would care about them, and with the way that Jesus cares about them. And then the third one is that nasty word, obedience. That one's no fun, is it? Obedience? Ugh, I don't like that one. I have to do things? We call him Master and Lord? And yes, we need to be obedient to his call in our life. As Scott read for us, John wrote, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, in other words, only, but also with actions and in truth. We don't have time for this story. But remember the story of the Good Samaritan. That's what this reference is. Right? This man is going down a road. He gets, this is Carl's short version. Um, he gets beat up. And he's laying there on the side of the road, bless you. And um, then a priest comes by, a priest who is the most religious guy, and you think, oh, he's going to help him out. And he doesn't. He walks by on the other side. Then a Levite, one of the temple guys, comes by and walks by on the other side, doesn't have anything to do with him. But then a Samaritan, a half-breed, as they called them, part Israelite, part pagan. We don't do anything with them. He's the one who surprisingly shows up, picks up the guy, binds up his wounds, puts healing stuff on them, takes him to an inn, pays to have him looked after, offers to pay anything outstanding at the end. Who are you like? Ugh. If I touch that guy, I'm going to be unclean for seven days. That's totally going to interfere with my schedule. That's what would go through the mind of the priest and the Levite. It can be hard, it can be messy. Let's quickly look at some of the dangers of being a caregiver or serving. The first one is to resent eventually. That can be a problem, right? If you're in caregiving mode all the time, eventually you can wind up resenting the needy and resenting those who have an easier call. Oh, my call is to wash dirty feet all the time. I shouldn't have to do that. Look at that other person. All they have to do is make meals.
Is there an easier call, or is it just different? The second danger is becoming content. And what I mean by that is that sometimes people are so busy looking after the physical that they're content with doing that, and they forget about the spiritual side of people as well. Making meals all the time, and you never talk to them about Jesus, for example. Sometimes (laughs) the physical takes so much out of you that it's understandable, maybe, that you would forget about the spiritual, but we can't, right? Whether that's for children or adults or whomever. Why do we do it? For Jesus. Then we need to tell them about Jesus. The third danger is becoming absent, and that is when you are so busy on the outside doing things for others that you neglect those who are inside in your family. It's important to care for others. We are also called to care for those in our own family. As Paul wrote to Timothy, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should, first of all, they should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. You know, the whole idea of this, about serving others, is not to put a burden on your life. It's to recognize that in the midst of service, we may find a way that we actually connect with God. Intimacy with God is key to a vibrant faith, and we all want to find that intimacy. And we all have possessions, power, or potential that we can give to serve one another. No matter how stinky the job is, or how difficult the calling might be, or where he calls us to, or whose feet we might have to wash. Service can help us connect to the Savior. And the really cool thing is, the really super cool thing is, if you read in Hebrews 13 too, tells us that by some by showing hospitality to strangers, have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now at the end of all this, if you're thinking, oh gosh, that meant nothing to me. Is there something wrong with me? Don't worry about it. We're all just as unique as our fingerprints. And maybe there are other ways that you can connect to God through some of the other temperaments out of all of us nine. And maybe in the midst of it, we'll all find different ways in different amounts in different times that work for us that we can find ways to connect with God through sacred passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made us unique, that each one of us has been created in your image, but we are a different mix. Father, help us to recognize that serving others is not just about them, but in the midst of that, there's an opportunity for us to find blessing and connection to you. So I pray that you would help us to be aware of what the needs are and to use what we have for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our communion hymn today is number 809. It is God of our fathers. And we're going to sing the two two first verses while we prepare for communion. Please stand as we sing.
And so in the ultimate act of service, Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. And on the night that he was betrayed, he was gathered together with his closest friends as they celebrated the Passover, a time where God served his people by setting them free from slavery. And Jesus gave it new meaning by showing us what it means to be free from sin. And so this table is open to all who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the scriptures tell us that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And he said, this bread represents my body, which is given for you. And he broke it. And shared it with his friends. Let us now remember the body of Christ, which has been given for us. body of Christ given for you and for me, take and eat in remembrance of him. The same way after supper, he took the cup He said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. See, the old covenant was kept through the shedding of the blood of calves and bulls. And it would have to be done over and over and over again. But the blood of the perfect Lamb of God, sinless and pure, 
has done it once for all, for all time. And he paid the price for sin. We are grateful. Let us now remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for each one of us. Let us drink in remembrance of him. The scriptures remind us that they sang a hymn and then went out. And so let us stand and sing the final two verses of our hymn today. Please stand.
serve to bless others. And yet in the midst of serving is where we sometimes can be recipients of the greatest blessings, of being able to connect with God. And so go from this time and this place and see what it means to serve like Jesus did. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.